Hello folks, um, so it's back to Australia again for a small little chat with one of my uh, mates. I, I think I've known Nick with about 10 years now at this stage via Twitter. So uh, I'm talking to Nick Squillari. Um I mock him quite a bit for being a Victorian champion. I never knew they had cycling back then. I've always asked him, was he riding a penny farthing? But Nick is um, a good cyclist from Australia. He's also a good mate of mine. And he's also set up a company called Velo Kicks. And we'll be, talk- we'll be talking about Velo Kicks in a few minutes. Nick, good evening, good morning, good afternoon. I'm not sure what time it is over there in Australia at the moment. But hello anyway, how are you? G'day, mate. How are you? Not too bad, not too bad. I suppose we've we have known each other about ten years, really on and off from from Twitter, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, a long time. It flies. It does. It does. Uh, back when Contador was racing and winning, and now he's uh, you know riding Grand Fondos. Yeah, back when Cadell was winning World Championships and Tour of France's and stuff <laughs> like that. Oh, yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, I suppose um, I I knew you even before, like you were coming over to you came over with a. Uh, a Conti team at one stage to Europe for a while. Yeah, we came to to Belgium in 2014 with a, uh, a group. There's about 12 of us, uh, and our interestingly enough, our DS uh, was one of the DSs who the previous year was with Backhand Soleil, um, and of course that that team folded into 2013 and 2014. He got this uh, bunch of you know dozen Aussie boys. Uh, bit like the replacements and had to try and whip us into shape. Come here to me. So how, we'll, we'll wind back. Um, first of all, your cycling history, your cycling past. G- give me your palmaris because I, I, I love hearing this because you're quite varied and you've you've kind of really pushed yourself in the last while to concentrate in TTs and stuff like that as well. So I, I, I kind of want to hear about that as well, if, if I can. Sure. I mean... I, look, you know, compared to, and I know you just interviewed um, a, good, a good friend of mine, Michael Freeberg. Uh, you know, so my Palmares, I'm, I'm, you know, following up with him, it's a, it's a hard act to follow. Uh, so very, much more modest than Michael. Uh, I started cycling really late. Uh, you know, I was 28, 28, 27, 28 at the time. Uh, got into it after rehab, rehabbing another knee surgery. Uh, and yeah, just was riding around, had a mate who said, look, why don't you come and race? You know, you like riding hard. Why don't you ride hard with a number on? Uh, you know, the old pinner number on. And uh, yeah, so did that. Uh, got to A grade pretty quickly. Got a got a lucky break and got into a Conti team in 2011, which in no sorry 20, 2012 sorry in hindsight was too early. Uh, I can't you know I look back at those times and kind of wish I had the legs and the experience I do now in that sort of a setting. Uh, but pushed on, uh, realised that I'm um, got a bit of a diesel, don't have much that much of a kick, uh, and just happened to really be able to fit a TT bike and get pretty slippery uh, in a TT position quite naturally. Uh, so not not like the Dave Zabriskie kind of naturally aero, uh, but the uh, yeah, like my, I could really shrug and really just hide myself from the wind really well uh, in, in the TT skis and. And I just roll and rolled from there. I sort of figured why, you know, I couldn't couldn't really climb very well, uh, and you know the the sprint wasn't really isn't really anything to talk about. So I sort of fi- figured why not concentrate on a strength and make that a really good strength uh, rather than trying to be a, a, a modest nothing all rounder really, which is you know, what 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 was left for me, which was the alternate option. Uh, and it's just rolled from there. I've just you know the more TTs you do, the more you learn. I, I think many in the British 
control scene can attest to that. You get to know how to pace a lot better. You understand the conditions a lot more. And you know, I just turned 37 and, and still managed to, to duke it out with the elite boys. So that's uh, I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah, and the, the Nationals are coming up shortly now for you guys, aren't they? They're in January. They, yeah, they are. The first first week of January, which is always always great, you know, on New Year's Eve to be the guy who's not drinking all that much uh, because, because you've got some sort of sporting event that most of my friends Don't who I hang out with, on, especially on New, on New Year's. Oh, that's right. They're just like, oh, okay, you, you ride a bike. Like, you know, I ride a bike too to work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, what's the scene like over in Australia at the moment? How's it? How's it bearing out the NRS and kind of underneath that? Um, I know over here we're seeing some struggles because I think a lot of I'm not not pointing fingers at, at guys our age, but a lot of the guys mm. that are racing national series and stuff like that are gents that are in their thirties and stuff like that. And underneath that, there's a, a very small narrow base of. Uh, under 23s and juniors and stuff like that. How is that faring out in Australia? Are you seeing similar? Uh, look, I, I would say at a club level, numbers have certainly dropped off. There's there's no doubt about that. And we're we're actually in the process of a massive licence upheaval and, well, it's a voting process at the moment, but the the, the federal the federal government are, are really pushing for us to have an amalgamated system because at the moment, unlike in the UK and many other Commonwealth nations, uh, if I've got a I've got a road license at the moment, but I can't go and race mountain bike, that's a you know that's a different license, and I can't race BMX, that's a that's a different license. So we don't really have a very streamlined system. So previously it hasn't hasn't really hurt us, but I would say in the last five years or so, people the numbers have started to dwindle, and so those barriers to cycling, which were annoying barriers, are now actually becoming very real impediments to the development of the sport. So. Whilst our national series actually is still full of young guys, young guys full of energy, full of talent, uh, and, and and we're moving. I think Australia is doing quite well in putting boys in the pro peloton, but beneath that, I worry at the at the grassroots level uh, and, and the club level. Like you know, who's coming through? What are those development pathways like? And I think this is that's why. Well, not think I definitely feel that this is why the new license, you know, an amalgamated license is super important so that there's an easy flow through from mountain bike to BMX to road. And you've, you know, kids who gets, yeah. want to try, want to try road from either of those disciplines can move over without having to pay for a new license. And you know, it's not an extra cost to the parents and all those sort of barriers that, that sh- just shouldn't be there. Yep. Come here. One question I've kind of wanted to ask a few Australian people over the last while is has AIS kind of, um, and having that Institute of Sport there corrupted, I won't say corrupted, but caused, people to perform in certain manners which are performance they're ticking boxes to get into AIS or to get into that structure or get into that flow and not necessarily developing uh, as riders and as people and as uh, uh, holistically as a complete rider and they're just ticking boxes to fill positions and try and get into there or how's that been faring out over there? Yeah, that's that's an interesting one. Uh, I mean, the AIS, the the road team that they used to field doesn't well, kind of it kind of exists still, but it's really underwritten a lot more by Jerry, Jerry Ryan. Yep. And he, you know, oh my God, I, if if not for Jerry, we'd be in horrendous shape. I feel cycling in Australia. He's s- such an incredible benefactor. Uh, so he kind of he took control of that national team, and it sort of and it became the Mitchelton 
and not not so you know the Mitchelton Scott sort of under uh, development team uh, yeah and they, and they ride under Mitchelton's um, colours which is fair enough given the money that Jerry puts into it so previously you could have made that argument that yeah the, you know there were guys that fit a certain mould in there and I mean look I suppose there's not really that many sprinters in the squad still uh, there's still a lot of climbers but there's the climbing talent to fill the team it's not like the, you know, the, the, the climbers that are in there are second-rate climbers and, and they're not being chosen simply because they go up a berg pretty fast. You know, these guys are genuine talents and Caden Groves has been, he's moving on to Mitchell and Scott and um, Alex Evans is moving on to Wanty Group um, next year as well. So I, I think now, I, you know, previously there might have been people who'd have differing opinions about the selection process for that high-performance road team. Uh, whereas now the, the Mitchelton squad, squad is, is really, I think I feel it's really well, well picked. Cool. Um, and how's the, how's it, is this reflecting as well in the track squad or is there people crossing over? I know Freebs had a, a bit of an issue there years ago over selection and getting dropped and the track squad seems very, yeah. the track squad seems very hatchet. You're either in or out, you know, there's, there's no, there's no holistic approach to, and it's not just the Australian track squad. I, I, from what I've seen of all track squads, if you can't do it, you're you're gone. Or if you don't do it on a certain day, you're gone, and that's it. The next warm body yeah. is in in on the seat and, instead of you, because I think in some in some way or respects, track squads are just meat factories. If you can do 400 watts, you can do 400 watts. If we need you to do 401 watts and you can't do it, good luck. Yeah, I, that, that's spot on. I mean, Freebie's story uh, is, it's, it's, it's pretty disappointing what happened to him, I think, to, to, yeah. to say, to, to, to put it mildly. And even, look, even what happened to Freebie at the beginning of this year uh, with with the, the non-selection for the Tour Down Under and after being national champion. And there was there was not not so much an administrative error, but just the, the selection criteria that didn't, that, that, that just didn't, have didn't hold and Michael's probably expanded on this, but just there was no capacity to include a guy yeah. in that squad who wasn't a world tour rider. Like they were just they weren't expecting you know inverted commas an amateur, not, not Michael's yeah, far yeah. from an amateur, but but you know, yeah, of someone someone not of his professional racing status uh and to 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 win nationals. But and so look I'm I'm amazed that Cycling Australia actually still speak to me because I made my feelings on that known uh, quite uh, quite clearly. Um, just as as a follow on from that, have you ever thought of going track based, considering your your ability to TT and get into a good, good position? <laughs> oh, look, it's it's a conversation every 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 six months or so. Someone gives me a prod and says, "Why don't you uh, why don't you have a go at the hour record and um, and at least try and make the the, the state squad for the the team pursuit?" Uh, yeah, look. I, it, it, I, look, I'm close. That previously, it was it wasn't really possible because I lived in Geelong, which, for people who aren't familiar with Australia, uh, Geelong's nearly 100 k's from the from the velodrome, uh, the Victorian um, VIS velodrome, and it was just it just would have been an impossible task. Uh, where I am now, I'm 10 k's away, so I think maybe once I've ticked a few more boxes on the road, you know, I'm not I'm not against the idea of uh, getting a, a pursuit bike and. And seeing what I can do, I do. I'm on there now doing aero testing, so I'm, I've got to learn how to ride the boards. That's that's my biggest issue. Yeah, yeah, and it, it is a huge issue because, uh, as many people are aware, in Ireland there isn't a velodrome, and I've I've had a few mates who've done masters, um, 
worlds and stuff like that and literally um i know it cost it cost a few people medals and stuff like that just not been it's it's fine you can have the power you can have the ability but just not having the practice that you can you know you can hop down to a velodrome you know you do your hour do your two hours on in the evening and stuff like that and it just becomes so familiar and your ability to ride the boards becomes so much so much more easier and even if you are that bit better with power and stuff like that and your your position is good if you're still flicking off the line in the wrong place or you're in doing silly stuff it'll cost you those seconds it'll cost you that power and it's just it's a hundred percent it's petrifying yeah (laughs) unless you're proficient it's absolutely petrifying like i don't know how they ride high up the boards like i I still haven't gotten that up that high on them i was just like uh no i'm gonna fall over here and kill myself oh yeah yeah unbelievable you know let alone riding with no hands and all that kind of stuff so yeah Hard, yeah, hard pass on that for the moment. <laughs> yeah, and it, be, and it becomes harder when you get older as well. I know that. I know. I know. I know. One of one of the guys that I cycle with, um, he's not. He's very, very good. He's very, very good in a bike, like proper engine, but bike handling skills aren't great. Not bike handling skills, but just because he's that little bit older, um, he won't put himself into danger. Uh, kids, family, all that sort of stuff. And I know one day I dropped off the back of a group. I took off leg warmers, took off arm warmers, and took off a gillet and came up beside him. And he didn't recognize me because I had a black gillet on. And when I came up, I had a white jersey on. And he got the fright of his life. So, yeah, I, I, <laughs> stuff like that doesn't make a difference to you, all right? Um, come here to me. You're, it's, you're... it's funny you say that, though. That's that, that, that point about just not taking the risk, that's, that's ultimately what got me in Belgium. I just, you know, the, for anyone who's raced at Kermes, you, you know that those final three laps are just, you know, everyone loses their mind. And they, they don't ride maliciously, but it, it is reckless. And I just, I was a, you know, I'm a podiatrist. Uh, I was a podiatrist before I, before I was ever a cyclist. And I'll, I already knew that I didn't have the, the raw talent to get a paid contract. And and then those final laps in a Kermes, I'm just like, I, could, I couldn't bring myself to, to put my bones basically on the line. And at that point, I just realized, yeah, look, I'm, I'm not cut out for this, for this, li- for this lifestyle to, to, to really do everything that it takes to be a pro. Yeah, and, and funny you mentioned that because I know um, I was talking with Sam earlier on this year, Sam Bennett, and mm. uh, it's not the pan. What race did he win? Yeah. Three or four stages in? Yeah, no, no, it's it's, um, it's one of the it's one of the the dodgy Belgian uh, Dutch races. But on the fin- on the finishing circuit, he was brushing his foot off the barriers every time coming around one of the corners. That's right. It was the wet one. He was yeah. Uh... He actually had marks on his yeah. He actually had marks on his shoe, yeah. um, huh. from it. Like I mean, he, he held the line every time, but yeah. he he's he's come up through on post doing those Belgian races with Gatie and all those sort of boys. And it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a different lifestyle. It's a different commitment. It's a different, even if you take a breath to go, Oh, someone will go through that gap and they'll have gone. And that's it. And that's, like you said, you just, yeah, there's a difference. There's a difference between those, those sort of people. They are the people that want to become the pro. They are the people that want to become though. They are the people, not that they're risking their life, not that they're risking your life, but they will go through that gap and they will take that, that half second or they will take that that wheel or they will take that that gap and that's it like come here to me you just mentioned that you're a podiatrist um you've managed to flip both uh a love cycling and work podiatry 
together and start your own company. How did that come about? Well, I mean, funnily enough, not in the way that it's that it, that, that fellow kicks looks looks now. I just, I mean, like you, you get it. You, if you're a podiatrist, you're taking an interest in shoes, and you're always you're always assessing footwear and the, the latest running shoes or anything to do with shoes, really. And I, I would, I feel that most podiatrists don't. They certainly don't hate shoes. Um, I quite, I quite like them, and always looked at sneakers when I was a kid and what Jordan was wearing and you know the Kobe's kicks and all that kind of stuff. And so I got into cycling and I was cycling shoes of being a podiatrist and so I was automatically drawn to, to shoes and, and just looking at it and, and, and admiring them. And I, I, for whatever reason, I, I was perusing the internet one day and just realised that there's all these pages for cycling kits, but there wasn't a dedicated Instagram account for cycling shoes. And I had a back, back when I had a lot more free time, I was just like, okay, I'm going to start a, start an Instagram account to feature cycling shoes. And truthfully had no idea at the world of customized shoes that existed out there. I just thought it'd be a nice resource and scratch an itch of my own just to catalog what shoes are out there. Basically just yeah. you know, an, an online catalog of what shoes I was potentially going to buy next um, and started discovering that there were people who were painting cycling shoes. Now this was 2015, December, 2015. And at that point, which I also wasn't aware of, the concurrently the customised sneaker business, which is a now a standalone $1 billion plus business worldwide of people painting Air Jordans and painting, you know, whatever shoes are out there, Pumas and Adidas and that kind of stuff, that was absolutely taking off. So there was this bleed over and, and, and this flow through to those sort of artists were starting to grab cycling shoes and just go, oh, okay, what can I do here? Bang doing a really crazy uh, art design. And so I was finding these shots and started featuring them. And next thing I knew, the, the account was getting some traction and had 25,000 followers. And I told my best mate about it. And he said, well, what are you going to do with this account? Are you going to monetize it? And I was just like, well, you know, I've been, you know, I've got a couple of pairs of kicks out of it. But I said, well, look, I think I might get some shoes and find an artist to paint them and, sell them on there and just make some some scotch money yeah I'll so just, to speak I'll and just pick up a standard pair of shoes get them painted something nice something that i kind of yeah. like i'd like to wear myself and just get them yeah that'd be nice yes yeah, so sounds Absolutely. Re- sounds a reasonable idea well done well done sounds like a reasonable idea how how, sure. how did yeah. it go how did it go wrong from there <laughs> well so my, my my best mate he at the time, was the um, financial two IC of a um, of a shoe company in Australia, and he was just like so he and he previously had experience through supply chain and all that, and he's, a, he's an accountant. So he said, "Why don't yes, that sounds like a lot of hard work? Why don't we just make our own shoes and we'll do a custom design and we'll just sell them and we'll use your audience. We you know we use the, the current audience that you got. We've we've got the the customer base right there. We'll just market to them." And I said, "Well." Sounds like a good idea. Let's split it 50-50. And that was that was a beginning of that was new literally New Year's 2017. And we just and we rolled from there. It took us nearly a full year of prototypes and testing and all that kind of stuff until so we didn't we actually didn't start selling shoes until the end of 
the, the November of 2017. So we missed, did we miss Black Friday? Or we started selling around Black Friday. Uh, so we've just had our two year anniversary. And uh, and yeah, so that's, but that's how it started. It was actually just, a, just another Instagram account like all the other kit, kit pages out there that actually then morphed into the brand. Yeah, so you can now now say that I've I've actually interviewed an influencer. Um, <laughs> I know. I look. I, I suppose I I did know the the background to it, but I didn't know kind of how it all started. And I I know we've I've even been exchanging uh, pictures with you at times because I've seen some stuff on some of the UK forums. I I saw those gold cities for sale, and I've seen a few other bits and pieces. Oh yeah, and it, it, literally, it has been like did Nick did Nick start this trend? Did Nick surf this trend or what happened? Because it just seemed to all coalesce together at the same time. And it seemed like I, I've even seen um, some TV programs where, you know, you've got uh, guys that are customizing sneakers, as you said, and are doing Swarovski crystal, crystals and diamonds and stuff on them. And like, they're going for fucking horrendous money. Like, and just all seemed to kind of come oh, together at, at the same time. Um, so how yeah. many se- how many seasons of the, of the shoes have you released now? Season four is about to be completed. Uh, so we've got so four seasons, and look, there's there's no like they're not six monthly. Well, they've kind of worked out to be every six months. Um, but between those, we've got um, our blancos. So we did a, initially did an all white shoe because everyone loves white. Uh, we did it in a lace up, and as soon as we released that with our season ones, the first question everyone asked was, "Can we get? I love the white shoe. Can we get it in a dial?" Uh, and that was actually they're the shoes that Freebie uh, had on when he won nationals at the beginning of the year. And he actually he literally had he had my shoes. <laughs> <laughs> and he has a so habit. They're, they're a repair for me. He actually has a habit of destroying shoes, hasn't he? He does. Yes, he's he's pulled shoes apart previously because he has enormous power. Uh, but yeah, he I've got I've got a, an air hub from him. Uh, which I'm, you know, you, you would explain to you about, and he's his fantastic invention. Uh, and he came to me and said, "Look, Nick, can I get some shoes?" I said, "Well, look, absolutely. You know, I've got this this air hub on permanent loan from you. Like, uh, what do you need?" <laughs> and sent him some lace ups, and they were good. But he was doing SE efforts at some insane wattage, and he said, "Look, I just really need to crank crank the tension down." And I had a pair, and we're both a size forty five, and. I said, look, I've got some dials here that I'm, I was going to wear. I'll, I'll, I'll put them in the post. You'll have them in a couple of days. Uh, so you got them, and that was six weeks before nationals last year. And then I, I don't race the road race because I'm just too fat for the road race. Uh, so I went there on the day to watch him in the road race. And, of course, he's, he's in the kicks, and next minute he's in the break, and next minute the break's down to three guys. And, you know, he wins in probably the most yeah. fantastic – Style. Finish to yeah yeah you know, I struggle to think of an Australian nationals that was uh, obviously unbiased but was, I struggle to think of a finish as exciting as that and I don't think many people would disagree with that so we were uh, my girlfriend and I are on the hill and complete glass case of emotion uh, when he when he came across the line and uh, but yeah to to do that in to do that in in our shoes was I mean it was for, for me it was uh, it was a lot of things it was. Fantastic that in the person first and foremost that my mate finally got the, the the recognition and yeah and got the result that he'd been he'd been pushing so hard for like he you know he sent me screen caps of his weeks he was pulling thousand TSS weeks in the lead up to it so he was absolutely 
busting his, his backside to, to for it. Uh, but it just gave the shoes a bit of street cred as well because people were and, and not and, and understandably so they were they would ask the question like the shoes look great, but how do they perform? And until you get, I feel until you get that kind of result, it's 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 all well and good to to give people the the, the assurance that oh look I've tested them and you know people who can who can race testing them, but then you get someone who wins a national championship in them and there's really there's there's no doubt. Yeah, because some people will see him as a fashion accessory up, up to a point, and they're nice, and I can wear them to the on the coffee ride, and you know, with the rest of my group, and we're going out, and we're in our Rafa kit. And I'm not mocking, uh, you know, you, you just see him as a as a fashion accessory. But what you actually saw him yeah. as uh, was as a tool, uh, as a cycling tool. Uh, there were a, a pair pair of shoes to do a specific job, designed in a specific manner, and to perform in a specific manner. That they are a fashion accessory is secondary, and it's a nice part of the whole package but I, I think from, from talking to you that you did see him kind of both ways but some people up until I'd say freebie one probably saw him as only the fashion accessory and then they, they it really did show how they performed oh absolutely look and to be honest we I've, I've, we haven't had that question from the point of freebie winning no one has gone are these shoes going to be stiff enough for me? What's the performance element to them? Anything like that. Like Michael winning in them was, yeah, it's, it's all the external validity that we've ever, oh, we could, it's more, more external validity than we could ever hope for, to yeah. be honest. Yeah, he, he is a monster. And if he's been tearing shoes apart and some of the stuff I've heard about what he's doing in training and stuff like that, he's, he's a proper, mm. proper monster, proper monster. Absolutely. Yep. Um, just moving on from the shoes, we might as well tell people what's going to be happening in the new year with the two of us. Um, so Nick won't be podcasting with me, but Nick will be podcasting on his own, and there will be a Velo Kicks podcast, and it will be hosted by ourselves in uh, um, in VeloCast and Flamcast, and we'll do all the hosting, all the publishing, and all that sort of stuff for Nick. But it will be a standalone podcast. So Nick will be promoting not just shoes but artists and he'll be talking to some people that do that sort of stuff um and he will be getting a few shows together and we hope to do a couple of seasons of it and it will just be a season so it'll be a few episodes then it'll be a bit of downtime then it'll be a few episodes then there'll be a bit of downtime so it'll work like a proper show like so we're looking forward to that in the new year um hopefully nick gets his finger out um and get some get some get some recording done derek's putting a little bit of pressure on him now but we will be looking forward to that i'm looking forward to hearing what you're going to be recording nick Absolutely. I'm, I was, funnily enough, uh, just earlier talking to a, another previous Australian national road champion about the uh, about the, the podcast and uh, also giving him a nudge that he'd uh, I'd like him. He's on my short list of guests and he's all for it. Good, good, good. Um, uh, yeah, look, I'm 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 going to be interested because I'm going to, I I have a 50 minute commute to work every day and 50 minute home, so I normally get a good podcast in or I get you know anything around an hour is always good for me so um yeah I'm looking forward to listening to it I'm looking forward to picking it up I'm looking forward to hearing what you're going to be doing yeah I mean look the only you put the pressure on <laughs> pressure on now I mean, but I, the, the only caveat would be I'm, I'm I'm not obviously aiming to go for Joe Rogan length uh but there no. are a couple of guests who I've got in mind who they've got a lot of thoughts and a lot of deep thoughts and it might, might be hard to distill them down into 50 minutes, but they, they, they could almost have a season on their own. There's a certain uh, custom frame builder. I'm fortunately very, I have the great pleasure of being very good friends with uh, who 
look, I can't call him unless I have at least half an hour of my time free. Like, so that, if that gives any sort of indication of how, uh, how many tangents and how many thoughts he has. Yeah, yeah. You, literally, you can't ring him and just ask him a simple question. You have to, yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a, I've oh, got no. a, I've got a few mates like that. All right, <laughs> um, Nick. I know it's late over in your time. Your your time in the world. Uh, you're over in Perth, Melbourne. 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 Yeah. Sorry, I always Melbourne. get the, I always yeah. get those two Sorry. arsed up. It's okay. At least at least it's not, <laughs> at least it's not Sydney or someplace godforsaken like that. Nick, yeah, thank that's... thank you for your time, and <laughs> we'll be hearing more from Nick in the new year, and we will be publishing details of where to find the podcast and all that in the new year. Nick, thank you for your time. My pleasure.